Have you ever seen one of those car dealership commercials that say, anyone can buy a car here? And then you look at the fine print at the bottom of the screen and it says, anyone actually refers to people who pass their credit check and finance with them and all this other stuff. Or have you ever tried to get a special deal on a cell phone plan that you saw a commercial for that said it was for anyone, only to find out that the discount was really only for a specific special group of customers? It sure seems like when people say anyone is welcome or anyone can cash in on this deal, they don't really mean anyone, do they? There's always a catch. Well, in Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. When making the invitation for potential followers, Jesus includes anyone. And I want to make four points this morning about Jesus' open invitation that he issues here. The first is this. Anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. But over the years, we've gotten to the point where we hear Jesus say anyone, and we think, yeah, right, what's the catch? Well, there's no catch. There's no fine print. There's no hidden fees. It's all laid out in that verse. It's open to anyone. And when Jesus meant anyone, the crowds would have looked at his disciples and they would have known that he actually meant anyone. See, you have to understand that in this society, Jesus was a rabbi. Homeless, unconventional, yes, but a rabbi nonetheless. A rabbi was a teacher of God's word, which at that point was the Old Testament. And rabbis had extensive knowledge of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Oftentimes they would have it memorized beginning to end. And they knew all of the writings of the prophets. And rabbis were also special because they each had a group of Talmuds. And the word Talmud translates to disciple or student. So essentially every rabbi had a group of students. And it was an incredibly exclusive group of students. Every Jewish male would have aspired to be a Talmud, but it was unattainable for most of them. It's kind of like how me and my friends all wanted to go to the NBA when we grew up, but at five foot eight inches, I never really had a chance. Most people didn't end up as students of rabbis. Even though it was expected, it would have been a disappointment when one didn't make the cut to be a Talmud. And those who didn't make the cut usually ended up learning some sort of trade, typically one that was passed down by their family, so they would become stonemasons or fishermen or tradesmen. For those students who wanted to become Talmuds of a particular rabbi, they had to go through an application process. There were hefty prerequisites before even being considered to be a Talmud. This would have been the equivalent of uh, GPA and transcript requirements before applying to an elite college or academy nowadays. If you want to go to Harvard, you better have a 4.0 GPA or a 36 on your SATs or ACTs or a 1600 on your SATs. Without those kinds of stats, you're probably not going to get in, right? Well, it's the same with a Talmud applying to a rabbi's school. Talmuds had to have impressive knowledge of the scripture. And a rabbi would uh, quiz a Talmud, asking them to recite an entire book of scripture, or asking them how many times the name of the Lord appears in the 11th chapter of Leviticus. 
This was an intense, painstaking process. But rabbis had to be thorough because the excellence of the student reflected the excellence of the teacher. Right? If a rabbi let just anyone in, it was clear that he wasn't a very sought-after teacher, that he wasn't very exclusive. On the other hand, if a rabbi's group of Talmud were especially brilliant, the rabbi would be respected and admired. But then Jesus changed the system, especially when he invited a tax collector to be a Talmud. In this video clip, Kyle Eidelman, the author of the book Not a Fan, describes this completely open invitation that Jesus gives. Take a look. So when the word gets out that there's this new rabbi who is picking Talmud seemingly at random, people start to wonder what in the world is going on. They came to hear from this incredible teacher named Jesus, and they looked at his disciples, and they must have been confused. They shook their heads and thought, these are the disciples? They're nobodies. Those guys used to be fishermen. They're political hotheads. That guy's the local tax collector, for crying out loud. But then Jesus made the invitation. And when people heard that anybody can learn from this rabbi, I'm sure they started to entertain the idea. People who had given up the dream of learning from a rabbi long ago were now wondering if they'd actually be welcome in this new rabbi's group. And slowly but surely, people started to come and wanted to follow this rabbi, Jesus. They realized that when he said anyone, he meant anyone. When Jesus said that anyone was welcome, the crowds began to understand that it meant everyone was welcome. And it's true. Anyone means everyone. That's point number two. Anyone means everyone. But here's the struggle. Though we'd never say it, we don't always buy into this idea that church is for just anyone. We like church the way it is, don't we? We prefer things to be the same, and same soon becomes standard, and a standard soon becomes qualifications. I think Jesus knew that's how things would go, and I think Luke 9.23 reminds us that there shouldn't be any qualifications. So Jesus does away with the qualifications. He gets rid of the long list of prerequisites. He did away with the standard application process, and I think that we in the church need to do away with some of our qualifications. We usually don't talk about it, but we've got our own unwritten code, right? For instance, there's kind of an unwritten dress code, right? I purposefully wore a t-shirt to record this week's service to see if any of you noticed that I was violating the unwritten pastoral dress code. It reminds me of a story. A young man became a Christian and decided to try out one of the churches in town. But he didn't have any, you know, what we might consider nice clothes, Sunday best. So he went to the church service wearing his Rage Against the Machine t-shirt and ripped jeans and his Birkenstock sandals. And after the service, the pastor came up to him and said, Well, son, we're glad to have you here. But what I want you to do is go home and ask God what he thinks you should wear to the church service. And so the next week rolls around in the young man's back wearing the same exact outfit once again. And after the service, the pastor comes up to him and says, 
Son, I thought you were going to go talk to God about what he wanted you to wear to our church service. And the young man said, well, yes, sir, I did talk to God about that. But he said he didn't know what I should wear because he's never been to your church. I hope you laughed. The unwritten dress code isn't the only thing, though, right? Over the past few decades, there's been an unwritten political code, too. And in most churches, we've added all sorts of things to the unwritten code. Whether or not you should ever consume alcohol, whether or not you should listen to this style of music or that style of music, what your income is, what your social agenda is, what your church denomination is. The list stacks up pretty quickly. The church keeps saying, anyone is welcome. But when you look at how members dress or what their political leanings are or what style of music they, they accept, it becomes clear that there are qualifications. I'll admit it, I've worked at churches where I've stood up and said, anyone is welcome, while knowing that if just anyone showed up on Sunday morning, they absolutely would not be welcomed in that church. Jesus got rid of all qualifications. But he didn't just get rid of the qualifications. When he said anyone, he did something else. In eliminating the qualifications, Jesus got rid of the excuses. Point number three, no qualifications means no excuses. Individuals have no excuses not to follow Jesus because he welcomes everyone. Those of us who make up the church have no excuse not to welcome people into our faith communities because Jesus welcomes everyone and thus we have no basis to exclude anyone. See, when Jesus invites anyone to follow him, he doesn't just break down the barriers that keep so many people from learning about God. He also breaks down the barriers that people have been hiding behind. So now the tradesman had no excuse not to learn from a rabbi. Now the dropout student couldn't complain about his past. Now the mother of four couldn't say she never got a chance to learn from a rabbi. So what's your excuse, Ben? For many of us, it's the issue of time. Is it because you're putting in too many hours at the office? Is it because you've been focusing on your marriage lately? Is it because the kids need so much time and attention? Is it because things have been kind of tough and you had to get a second job? Others say it's because they have a past they're not proud of, so they can't see themselves being a part of the church. The baggage from the addiction or the divorce or the bankruptcy has been an excuse for a long time. For some, it's because they were told by supposed Christians that that past or baggage excludes them from being followers of Christ. It's easy to hide behind those kinds of excuses because who's going to argue with someone who's been through tragedy or someone who's been emotionally scarred? But Jesus gets rid of all the excuses when he says, anyone. Anyone is welcome to have a relationship with Jesus. Anyone. Sexual past? Anyone. Ex-convict? Anyone. Inmate? Anyone. Recently divorced? Anyone. Legalist? Anyone. Alcoholic? Anyone. Pothead? Anyone. Addict? Anyone. Hypocrite? Anyone. 
Now, we need to be ready for what can happen when we embrace this invitation to anyone, right? Because if anyone can come to the church, that'll kind of mess up the expectations that we've built, right? All of a sudden, the church gets filled with a bunch of unchurched people. If we really accept anyone into our churches to follow Christ, we're going to be forced to deal with our unwritten codes. We'll be forced to get out of our comfort zones and rub shoulders with people of all different backgrounds and social circles, people with different music collections, and people whose wardrobes confuse or annoy us. Sometimes we'll have to deal with people who are hard for us to tolerate and even harder for us to love. But followers are willing to break down walls, trash unwritten codes, and welcome anyone into God's family right alongside Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, now wait a minute, we can't just let anyone into church. We can't just let people show up and invite them into God's family and tolerate anything that they want to do. That's not biblical. I'm not saying that we should condone anything sinful. When a person wants to become a Christian, it's right to make sure they understand what God's word condones and what it doesn't. But as I've mentioned before, we can't hold people to that standard until they've made the decision to follow Christ. We don't expect people to follow the rules of an organization until they become a part of that organization. We can't demand that people follow Christ before they follow Christ, right? Before people can be trained as disciples, they must be welcomed to be part of the church. When Jesus makes his invitation, he says, anyone. So some of the people who respond to that invitation are going to have a past that you don't approve of. Some of them will have lifestyles that you'll be embarrassed to hear about. And fans don't know how to handle people like that. They prefer not to know. They prefer things to be shallow and comfortable. They prefer to put on a veneer of self-righteousness and expect everyone else to fake it as well. But followers are willing to listen, willing to hear the stories of brokenness and sin, and still welcome people with open arms. I'll be honest. The majority of churches in the United States have done a terrible, terrible job of this. Churches have often made themselves arbiters of who's in and who's out, and in the process bastardized the gospel of Jesus Christ. How dare we? How dare we put ourselves in that position of saying who is welcome when Jesus welcomes anyone? Jesus welcomed a tax collector into his circle. And I can't even express to you how hated the tax collectors were at that time in history. Tax collectors were viewed as traitors both to their countrymen and to their faith. They worked for the Romans collecting taxes, and they enriched themselves by stealing from their countrymen, and they often flaunted their wealth with raucous and garish parties. In essence, they had sold out their countrymen. They had sold their own soul almost in order to give themselves a safe and cushy lifestyle. But Jesus spent lots of time hanging out with these people. And as I said, he even made one an apostle. Matthew would have been a hated outcast within his own religion, and his family absolutely would have disowned him in shame. 
The comparison that immediately comes to mind is the way that the church has treated LGBTQ individuals. Whatever you consider to be the most shameful thing you can think of, that's what Matthew was to the people in his society. And Jesus invited that guy, not just to follow him, but to be a member of his inner circle. And when he went on to write one of the four Gospels of the accounts of the life of Christ, he showed that anyone truly means anyone. People have no excuses not to follow, and the church has no excuse for turning away someone who is seeking. The final point's crucial to making sure that we help everyone, both brand new Christians and longtime believers, move into a completely committed followership relationship with Jesus Christ. The fourth and final point is, it's anyone, but it's everything. When Jesus makes his invitation, he welcomes anyone who would come after him. But he also makes it clear that when you choose to follow him, you're giving up everything. So it's anyone, but it's everything. When a Talmud was finally accepted into a rabbi's school, they would leave their homes and their jobs and whatever was holding them back, and they would go follow the rabbi. Literally. They would follow the rabbi wherever he went, and they would seek to do everything just as the rabbi did. So if the rabbi decided to go to the market, his students would watch the way he shopped and interacted with vendors. If the rabbi decided to go to another town, the, the students would follow to see how he traveled. If a rabbi needed to visit someone who was sick, the students would follow. And you know what? When the rabbi went to the bathroom, the students would follow so that they could learn to relieve themselves exactly the way the rabbi did. Can you understand why Jesus often got up early and went to pray alone? But following the rabbi Jesus was going to cost even more than following a traditional rabbi. Because if this rabbi Jesus decided to live without a home, his students would follow. Jesus said of himself, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He was telling his potential followers that they may very well have to follow him into situations where their basic needs weren't even met. He told his followers that he was sending them out as sheep among wolves, an image of vulnerability to which they would be exposed as his followers. I mean, there's nothing much more vulnerable than a sheep among wolves, right? And if Jesus the rabbi decided to go among the sinners and the shameful and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the lepers and the criminals and the foreigners and the poor, his students would follow. Even though the supposed moral religious leaders would condemn them for spending time with such people, just as our, some of our supposed moral and religious leaders do today, they would follow. And if Jesus the rabbi decided not to flee from persecution his students would follow. Now, what I want to make sure I emphasize here is that no rabbi, Jesus or any other rabbi, considered it enough for his students to believe in him. The people who heard the teachings and believed them, they were part of the crowd. They were the fans. But those who followed the rabbi everywhere he went and sought to do everything the way he did, those were the students. Those were the followers.
In the gospel, Jesus only says, believe in me five times. But he says, follow me more than 20. His ringing invitation is not for us to simply agree with the things that he says, but to follow him and do the things that he does. And that's what Jesus offers. The greatest teacher of all time offers you the chance to become one of his students. And when he says anyone, he means anyone. And with no qualifications, there are no excuses. But even though he opens this invitation to anyone, he also guarantees that it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. Shane Claiborne, in a great quote, says, I'm not sure where we get the notion that Christianity is safe or that Christians should play it cool. Growing up, I always thought that Christians were good, upstanding citizens, but the more I get to know Jesus, the more trouble he seems to get me into. And Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard sums it up pretty bluntly for us. He says, To want to admire instead of follow Christ is not an invention of bad people. No, it's more an invention of those who spinelessly want to keep themselves detached at a safe distance from Jesus. Wow. Jesus invites anyone and everyone to come and follow. Jesus invites you to follow. Jesus comes to you right where you're sitting this morning and says, come and follow me. Are you ready? Are you willing to follow the rabbi Jesus? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to be our teacher, to seek out those who are in need of healing. Thank you that he issues an open invitation for anyone and everyone to come be his follower. Father, forgive us for the times that our communities of faith and we as individuals have put ourselves in the position of deciding who deserves to be invited to be his follower and who should be excluded. May we be a faith community that welcomes everyone as Jesus did. And help us as individuals to be Christ's radically dedicated students, seeking to follow him everywhere and do everything the way that he would do it. Give us the strength to take up our cross and follow him each day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one God, now and forever. Amen.